0: Welcome to Wisdom of Wanderlust, the podcast for travelers by travelers. I'm Michael Bennett, co-founder of ExploreX. As a seasoned traveler, coach, and educator, I've dedicated my life to supporting people just like you and becoming the hero of their own story.
1: And I'm Robin Goldblatt, a lifelong globetrotter, avid outdoors woman, and health nut, driven by my relentless curiosity and compassion for our world. Join us as we explore and discuss how to travel better.
0: And how to live a better, more fulfilling, and more mindful life. Hey everyone, welcome into Wisdom and Wanderlust. Our guest today is Mel Miles. Mel is a coach, writer, and the chief soul officer at Soulcation Coaching and Retreats. After spending six years at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, where she helped launch the global campaign to eradicate malaria, Mel experienced acute burnout and decided to make a life-changing transition of her own. Now, her mission is to give stressed out, overworked professionals like you the space and permission to rewrite their own story and find the freedom they've always wanted.
1: Stay tuned to learn what it took for Mel to make the transition out of the corporate world into entrepreneurship, the lessons she gained from a year-long trip around the world, how to lean into rest and play as keys to success and ultimately how to build a life that you don't need a vacation from mel is one of our most favorite people to chat with
0: yeah robin this was such an incredible interview we had so much fun chatting with mel and uh, i hope you guys enjoy this as much as we did here's mel and you you've been you've been spending most of your time in mexico since what october
2: yeah i've been here permanently Pretty much, yeah. So
0: you're like there now permanently. It's not like yeah. a, this is no longer.
2: It's no longer a vacation. Yeah. I'm an example of a, I mean, a hard, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an example of a trip turning into my permanent home.
0: Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. What part of
2: Mexico? I'm in um, the Riviera, so the Caribbean side. I'm in a town called Playa del Carmen. Amazing. So, yeah, outside of
0: Mexico. Sure. So what, what, what is it about Playa del Carmen that you just, can't leave.
2: I mean, the cheesy branded answer, but it's deeply true, is that it feels <laughs> like I'm living a life where I'm on vacation in my everyday life. Like the access to the beach, the like, you know, the beach clubs and the route. Like I work, like my day to day life is working from my laptop in these amazing like resorts and clubs and like places with beach views. So it just feels so wow. good to be have access to nature every day. It feels like the, it. I like, it, this used to kind of just be a, uh, and I think this is happening. Like, I'm curious how your read of the industry. The Playa used to be like a tourism town, a resort town, and what has happened with COVID. So it was, or like beach bums, right? Like, lived here. But what's right. happened with COVID is like all these New Yorkers who own companies are like fleeing to establish life here. So it has the, like, I'm in this incredible mastermind with eight, eight women who live here that are like killing it and running these like global brands that are living here. And so you have like, the intellectual vibrancy and the community of like a big city, but you have the life of like living in a small town next to nature on the beach. So it's like Mm -hmm. the best of both worlds, which is why I haven't, I haven't left. And the cost of living is great. Like I'm able to funnel so much into my business and yeah. um, And
1: Mexico kind of lets you stay here forever. People seem to have figured out that work-life balance out there. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) We're, we're, we're starting to see, a lot of interest in some of our extended programming. So you know we have something called Adult Study Abroad where people would, you know, we're planning those for the fall and into next year where it's like spend a month with a small group of eight to 10 people in a remote destination, whether it's Morocco or Portugal or Slovenia. And <clears> then <throat> you're there for a month and people are really digging that. We've got a new version of that. It's a customized version called At Home Abroad where we like create the sort of the essentials of like all right, how to live in, you know, Porto or how to live in Ljubljana or whatever for a month. And we set you up and then go and then just give you all kinds of other support for coaching and meditation and wellness and adventures and food and all that. And whatever you want to do is sort of challenged by choice, but we give you a an easy way to set up shop there for a month or longer. And we're getting a lot of interest in that too. Yeah.
2: So I, 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 get, me I think that's I <laughs> <might be. laughs>
0: Yeah. You know, and and, and the other thing you were saying about like, you this, this feeling like you're on vacation all the time, I mean, you know, I think you know this, but I used to live in Santa Monica, Mm -hmm. you know, literally five blocks from the beach. And it was just like, I wouldn't have said it then, but as you were saying that, I'm like, yep, that was my life for 10 years. Like I live five blocks from the beach. I'd go to the, you know, the Tom's store, the flagship Tom's store in Abbot Kinney in Venice, or I'd go down to Earth Cafe, or I'd go to you know, whatever, Thai vegan, and they all have these beautiful workspaces out there for you. And you grab some food and grab a coffee or grab a beer and just crank with a bunch of other entrepreneurs for a couple hours. Yeah. I miss that. Now that you say that. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so is, is, is Mel Mel is new? Is it, is, this, this is this? Last time we
1: talked to you, it was Melody. So what, yeah, my team is laughing because I'm like, no,
2: change everything. They're like, it's not good for branding. I'm like, I don't care. So I <laughs> of course, I did ayahuasca here in Mexico with an Argentinian shaman who like brought back brought it back from the Amazon. And like all powerful ayahuasca experiences, it was the most transformative night of my life, the most painful night in my life. Like had the most purging, vomiting, like wow. literally felt like I was gonna die. Um, but what was down, I mean, there was a lot of identity shifts that I had, like, gone in with, with certain intentions. And the take-home message, like, literally just came to me was, start going by Mel now. And it has, like, a deeper, I think, meaning as I, like, transitioned from, like, a the version of Melody, what was, like, more insecure and a little girl and a lot of my old self to, like, claiming this new identity and new beliefs and new way of moving through the world. So it it was like a powerful gift in changing a lot of dimensions in my life, not just like, oh, I did ayahuasca and like, here's the one thing I learned. So I'm changing my name. Yeah, I wrote a blog post about it, oh. but I'm moving my website to melmiles.com, you know, like wow. slowly, but like changing the name of podcast, I'm introducing myself as Mel, my friends are calling me Mel now. Yeah, so that happened. Yeah.
0: Huh. I We need to read the blog post and we'll we'll share it in the show notes, but... I'm also wondering, I I love alliteration, or not alliteration, that's not the right term. What's the other one? Acronyms. So like, did you, did you, have you found an acronym for the O-D-Y that you dropped and let go of? Like Mm. that would be a fun little exercise. I haven't,
2: I haven't. The O-D-Y.
0: The O-D-Y, yeah, like Mm -hmm. just like what's, Mm -hmm. the O stands for blah, and the D stands for blah, and the Y stands for blah, and I got rid of all of it.
2: Ah. Michael's coaching me now. This is great. This is great. This can just be a coaching session
0: if we want. <laughs> no, no, no. You may or may not know this, but when I was growing up and all the way through grad school, I was Mike. Mm-hmm. I was Mike. And it, it I changed it to Michael because there was nine other Mikes in my grad school, business school <laughs> class. And there were like three other, or sorry, three total like Mike B's. So somebody had to be different, so I was like, "I'll just be Michael." It sounds more professional anyway. And I just moved to California, so no one really—it was all new. No one really knew me as Mike so far, so I changed it to Michael, and its it's stuck. But I don't know, Mel. Maybe I'll—maybe I'll—I've been wanting to do ayahuasca. <laughs> I have a feeling that maybe I do it. I'll just—I'll become Mikey or something. Like Who
2: knows? <laughs> the medicine knows what you need, Michael. Don't you worry. And I have a guy. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So any—I cl- I mean obviously the amazon is the place to do it but yeah this area of um, of mexico has like a an expat community a lot of um a lot of people have spent a lot of their life in the amazon and so it was great it was like it was half Mexican, you know it was half locals half expat so it didn't feel like you can do it in new york for like 10 grand at some like bougie
0: retreat center yeah
2: but it was a very different
0: experience. i have a friend that, i have a friend that just got back from well a few months ago got back from uh a week-long ayahuasca retreat in Costa Rica. And I guess it was like a four-night, you know, the first night, nothing. The second night, a little bit. You sort of ramp up to the fourth night. And each night has its own intention. And, you know, she's done a lot of this work in the past. And she was like, by far, the most powerful experience. She's like, I literally am just... The way I'm seeing myself in the world is a 180 from where I was Mm -hmm. before I started this. And so she was... uh, And I won't share some other personal things that she shared, but it was just a very, very powerful powerful experience for her and it was like I've wanted to do it I've been open to it but when she shared that I'm like all right I I need to like make make this an intention to make this happen oh yeah it's
2: like 10 years of therapy in one night like it was hugely for someone who lives in their head who like anxiety has been their struggle who like thoughts kind of can trap them it forces you in your body right it silences your mind and you have to drop down into your body and so yeah it was very healing to me even though my dad is like, you're doing drugs in the jungle of Mexico. Like, dear God, we're doing <laughs> my daughter. But this is, yeah, the path of healing is sometimes not thinking more, but showing up um, and experiencing your nervous system in a way. Anyway, I'll stop preaching yeah. unless you...
0: No, no, no. This I is think- good stuff. This is, this is why yeah. we're here.
1: Like, this, this is, Are these clips going to go into the...
0: the park? Yeah, well, we, we record it all <laughs> in the event that some profound wisdom shows up in the first 30 seconds and I think really I think people are going to want to hear about you peeing on your own feet so that'll I'm sure that'll make it into the, into the podcast
2: <laughs> tree pose is all I'm going to say all you need to do is make your name because I literally it was like male shamans I'm, like, I'm
1: like how do I
2: pee on myself and they all like got into tree pose and were like just put your foot there so wow the skills that I have now trust me with your life
0: (laughs) all right right,
2: michael i will turn it over to you to ask me whatever question
0: well (laughs) no i mean we're, we're we're already going i actually the one thing that you you mentioned just just a few minutes ago that i sort of want to use as a segue here is you talked about you know being up in your head and being this nervous version of yourself and dealing with some of those challenges in the past and i know you've shared with us before but maybe share for our listeners some of the the particular experience that you had that really was the catalyst for all that you're doing now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanna speak to anyone who's listening to this who feels stressed out, overwhelmed, burned out, particularly in the time of COVID, that those feelings are so valid. And I ignored those feelings for many years. And I think as we all do, right? I use the coping strategies I had, I got a little help here and there. I tried to read books but what happened was in a series of about a year my 54 year old mom passed away from a rare cancer. Um, My marriage at the time suddenly crumbled and I had a series of panic attacks which I didn't even know what panic really was but I would get sweaty palms, my heart would be racing, I would feel really fatigued, I had chronic diarrhea until one day I was at a big meeting at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation where I worked at the time and you know like the sixth floor conference room and that feeling like the heart kept on beating I started to get dizzy I literally felt like I couldn't even look across the room and like answer like I couldn't even see a face clearly and I collapsed in the bathroom I had a massive panic attack that essentially landed me in the emergency room. And because I'm an epidemiologist and I've worked in health in my life, I was yelling at the doctors, like, do this test, do this test. I thought I was dying. And the doctor came back to me that day and told me that it was anxiety and panic and that it it was unprocessed emotion and unprocessed grief that was literally making my body sick. And it was the first time I actually faced that I may have have been numbing and ignoring um, the very things in my life that I needed to turn towards in order to move through my pain. And so that was the worst day of my life. And obviously ended up on an IV drip and was like, I can't go back to the Gates foundation and tell them I ended up in the hospital because of emotions. I was like, you have to find some, some other diagnosis that I can tell my boss, like, I can't tell my boss this if she's listening. I love you, Diana. Um, <laughs> because I was so ashamed. I would like, I would, I grew up with the belief that women should be able to do hard things. Women should be able to move through pain that like all feelings could be managed and so i was trying to go so fast that i didn't slow down and no one ever taught me how to actually feel my feelings and that it was safe to be in in sadness and grief um, and pain which are Mm. which now i know are one of our five core emotions that we as humans have to experience right it's grief sadness anger joy and then creative and sexual energy and when we don't have a relationship with those five emotions or it actually becomes sick because those emotions get stuck in our body, right? Disease is just like disease. It's 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 emotion that doesn't have energy to be able to like move through your body. Um, so that was what happened, and now obviously it has been a three or four year healing journey since that panic attack. Um, but my mission now is to help women use rest, play, and pleasure as the gateway to do the inner work and find healing in their life, which I know obviously your company is about, and that travel and adventure can be so healing, not only to escape our pain, but really to provide a safe landing place to get curious, to explore new ideas, and to really transform our pain into, into meaning. So we see ourselves as the hero of our own story.
0: Amen to all of that. And I honor the the process that you went through. I think, as you pointed out at the beginning, I think a lot of people can relate so the anxiety and the stress and the fear and all of those unwanted emotions that a lot of us feel on a day-to-day basis. And we don't have an outlet for that. And I think if you don't, or we don't give ourselves an outlet for that. And that leads to dis ease, as you said. And so finding that outlet, whatever that might be, whether it's working with a coach, working with you, right? Or traveling with us or a combination of the two, you know, finding a way to get out of that pattern, out of that routine right into a new place into a new space find that creative energy that you mentioned right have a chance to reconnect with self and oftentimes it doesn't happen in a couple days or a couple or even a week you know you need time you need time to heal and you went on after you, after that experience, I mean, you, you took a year to travel. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So the pain, I always say when the pain is bad enough that you are finally willing to take action to choose yourself. And after that pain got so bad, I ended up, I asked myself the question, I was like, why am I in a life that on the outside looks good? Like the job, the house, right? The the network and I feel miserable inside. And I felt so ashamed and embarrassed to admit I felt that way on a life that I had constructed on the outside to like, you know, be good, which was protection. And it was where I hid, I hid behind success. And, but it finally got bad enough that I was like, enough, like I'm tired of my own bullshit. So I did the bravest thing I've ever done in my life. I sold almost all of my belongings. I quit my big job right at the time when I was being offered a promotion. And I set out to travel to 12 countries in 12 months. And the question on my mind was, I I mean, I was a humanitarian. I was fighting for the freedom of others, but I wasn't sure I was free myself. I wasn't free to change my life or to use my voice or I didn't fully feel free to express my emotions. And so the question that I was asking women in these 12 countries was what does it mean to be free? And what would you need to live a life you don't need a vacation from? Because my hope at the end of this was like, could there be a life that felt good? Like, could you do the things you do on vacation in your everyday life? Right? Like, why do I have to suffer and tolerate the bad boss and the annoying job and like wait for vacation, right? Vacation to have fun, vacation to do my work. Why couldn't I do it in my everyday life? And why do we have this divide between vacation and work life? Why couldn't we integrate them? And it was a crazy idea at the time, but I set out on this mission to study how people lived and to actually get curious about if the things that I was doing on my quote unquote sabbatical, right, when I didn't have to work, how I could embed those in my everyday life. And now I, I mean, now I'm on the other side and I'm an advocate that you can, right? And I'm smiling at you over this Zoom call to, to say that um, travel doesn't have to be something we just do once in a while. It can help us teach us what brings our soul joy and that we have a responsibility as humans to like honor the feeling and the essence of um, how we feel on, on holiday or vacation in our everyday life
0: i'm curious so you you had two questions that you were looking for answers to what was the what answers did you find to that first question of like what what freedom means or looks like to others well, I and mean, ultimately what does it mean to you and where you know, how do you how do we how do we feel a, a sense of freedom in our lives
2: so I now define freedom as coming back into alignment with your soul. And by that, I mean coming back into alignment with the unconditioned self. So I don't think we can be free if we've been conditioned to follow a script or to fit in or to, I, I mean, I believe that we have three core common needs as humans, right? Safety, mattering, and belonging. And a lot of us for belonging, in order to belong, we've had to adapt or to play by certain rules or to kind of like lead our leave our world and meet other people's needs. And so we find that belonging by abandoning ourselves. And so when I think about freedom, particularly when we're talking about, I mean, in kind of in the Western world, like I obviously there are people that are human trafficking and that aren't free. And so I really want to acknowledge that, that there's physical freedom. But I actually have dear friends who run some of the biggest human trafficking organizations in the world who will tell me will tell you that the work actually begins after they get out of like the, you know, out of they they get out of the houses where they're trafficked, right? The work actually begins, the work of freedom. Yes, it's about like breaking down doors and rescuing them and like police raids, but really, it's it's once that they're how they actually want to go back, right? Because they're so conditioned, it feels safe for them to be trafficked because they, it's familiar, they belong. And I think this is like an extravagant example, but sometimes we stay in pain because at least we belong, at least we feel connected. These are the wrong people, or they're asking us to abandon us, or like, this is a life, like I'm living out my parents' version of the life that they wanted for me, but not my version, but we stay because, oh, but living out this version makes us safe and gives us safety, mattering, and belonging. And so we choose to look externally for that rather than internally. And so freedom is when we can finally come back into alignment. Of finding safety mattering and belonging from within and that we trust we can always change our mind we can always change our life and we can always use our voice to choose ourselves and we're not actually free if we are living by someone else's script and i think a lot of this happens unconsciously and i think where travel helps is help, it helps us see the ways that we're sourcing safety mattering and belonging from something that isn't really true to us or something we don't really want and the work of my whole life has been been coming to terms of where I'm sourcing these things that are giving me an immediate dopamine hit, but aren't actually offering me the deeper freedom that my soul longs for. What do you think freedom means, Michael?
0: <laughs> turning the tables. Um, <laughs> you can
1: see him contemplating. Well, I
0: know. I'm just. I'm. You're saying a lot of profound <laughs> stuff, and I'm just. I'm thinking and processing it. I, I like how you put it. Right. It's. It's. But let me see if I can put it in my own words. I don't want to just regurgitate what you just said. Yeah, I, I'll say, I'll, I'll share this and it's, maybe it's a cop-out, but I, I there's a, an author that I like, his name is Trip Lanier, and he's written a great book called This Book Will Make You Dangerous. And I think what, what I like from that book is he's got a very simple formula for, I'm going to use the word happiness. He may not call it that, but it's, it's freedom, aliveness, love, and peace. And, he talks about them being sort of the four core core elements of what we need in our lives. Sort of like you were saying, right? Belonging and meaning and, and
1: belonging, meaning, safety, sorry,
0: sorry, safety. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so I, and I, I like his framework of, of, of freedom, aliveness, love and peace. And I, what I've, as I've reflected on that, I feel like each of them feed one another, right? If you are in a peaceful state, if you have a, if you are in a loving relationship with yourself and with others, right? If you feel a sense of aliveness, right? That, I would define that as being freedom, right? But I would also say if you're free, if you have a sense of freedom, whatever that looks like, you feel alive and you are in a loving relationship, right? With yourself, others of the world, that's going to give you an immense sense of peace. So I think that all of that is sort of very interrelated, interconnected. So I would say to more directly answer your question, freedom would be, you know, um, aliveness, love, and peace uh, in some degree of balance,
1: I love that. Here, here. Mel, while you were traveling, was there like one profound moment or like one person you met along the way that really stood out to you from that experience?
2: I actually think it was the diversity of people that changed my life because my, I think my problem and and what was keeping me from change is the self perpetuating world of I my, surrounded myself by people who thought like me. I had certain ways of viewing the world and it was the diversity of, I grew up in a very conservative Christian home. So even though ironically I had traveled to 25 countries and there was this like cultural diversity in terms of belief about self, belief about love, belief about freedom, I had pretty narrow views. And so it was the diversity of different perspectives to choose that maybe I don't actually know the way, and maybe I can learn from someone else. And I think travel, we think about it in terms of place, but to me, the most powerful part about travel was the lifestyle, right? And now, I i mean, I work with clients to set goals related to how they want to feel in their life rather than what they want to achieve in their life. But what travel taught me is that there was people choosing to feel more joy, Real adventure, right? That they're like North star and their priorities were these ways of being, which was diff- so much different than a way of doing, right? Or this mm-hmm. idea that I have to get to an outcome in order to receive that way of being and travel actually, and particularly travel and community. So I chose to do intentional trips, which you offer, which are like month long intentional communities, which with, with people all over the world, which is a very powerful way for me to, Um, see different models. And I now believe, I'm a scientist, and I actually believe the way towards transformation is experimentation. And uh, um, a Harvard professor wrote an amazing book called The Working Identity, which I recommend to everyone. And it's when you're actually going through a season of transformation, how you change your life is not through like picking your next job and like going all in to kill it. How you do it is lots of iteration and lots of experiments. And it's the people that are willing to try on different identities, whether it be in their work life or their lifestyle, Um, are the ones that can finally land in what's true to them. So having a sabbatical of a time to try on different identities without a commitment, right? It's like dating around without like, you know, marriage. But why don't we do that with our lifestyle and our work life, right? And so I would say that is the advice that I give people who are thinking about like how to use sabbatical, how to use travel, how to use time, it's really more from a spirit of learning and experimentation and curiosity that changed me. But yeah, I will always remember, I mean, I have a lot of special moments, but I will always remember being on the beach in Tel Aviv, Israel. And it was like kind of about the time my sabbatical needed to be done, right? I was like running out of money. It had been about a year. (laughs) And I think giving myself that permission to play especially as an adult and and not, and have that sabbatical is so rare, but it it changed me. But then I was like, Oh shoot, am I just going to have to go back to the old me? Right? Like, I don't know if your client's face this traveling like, Oh shoot. At the end. Now I have to go back to that like job where I work 70 hours a week. And, and it's like, Oh fuck. Like, I don't want to do that. But, and it was that moment I was on the beach to be like, you can carve your own path at that point. I didn't know. I, how to start my own business. I didn't even know how to start my own brand. Like I knew nothing, but it was this moment I was sitting on the beach to be like, well then do it differently, right? Like, and that was, and there was so much power that came from that moment that catalyzed me to obviously birth something that's different but most aligned with how I want to feel in the world
1: yeah did you like draw inspiration from the different people that you talked to and like kind of draw like a commonality between everything they that they all each one of them said that was kind of this is the this is the foundation for happiness. And like did you draw on that when you were inspired to make your next move?
2: I did because I saw people living a slow life that were really happy a very slow, simple life, and it was the ordinary things that brought me the most joy, like the, the cappuccino in the cafe and the slow dinner. And, but I will say the one most powerful thing, and I think I, I might've said this to you before, but I walked the Camino de Santiago, um, which is a path across Spain, mm-hmm. and I walked 500 kilometers across the whole country, and I'm wow. a planner, I like directions, I like to like know the next step, And there's like no apps for this or like that. And you get there and they just tell you there's these, it's a spiritual pilgrimage. It's been around for like 2000 years, they say. And it's just spray painted yellow arrows on the ground that take Mm -hmm. you all the way to Santiago. And and so walking and literally trusting, all I had to look for was the next yellow arrow. And I always remember that story because we often look for like, we need to know 10 yellow arrows ahead. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that was an example of day after day walking, just looking for the next yellow arrow. And whenever I try to go into my head anxiety, I remember that like we just need one yellow arrow, one yellow arrow at a time and that'll take it. That literally can take us all the way across a freaking country.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, a uh, plug, we are running a small group journey to the Camino, September 19th to the 29th, 2021. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, you can learn more on our website, explore-x.com. Uh, <laughs> you, didn't even,
2: no, you didn't even know that. You didn't even tell me to say
0: that. No, story. no, no, no. Uh, but I, I'm writing down so many notes as you're talking here, and I don't even know where to, because I feel like I'm going to go back like 10 minutes. But one of the things that you just said, have you heard the, I'm going to call it a parable, though it may not quite technically be a parable, of the businessman and the fisherman?
2: Um, no, tell me, Michael. I love
0: parables. I will tell you, or in listeners, I will tell you as well. And I'm going to butcher it. I'm very, very bad at storytelling, but I will ch- do my best. So bear with me. But there is a, the story goes, the parable goes, there's a, a very affluent, very wealthy businessman from, let's just say, New York who comes down to a small vi- uh, fishing village in Mexico, uh, as the story goes. And he's relaxing on the beach. And, uh, he sees this fisherman every day, go out in his boat early in the morning, come back with a haul of, of fish, you know, spends a couple hours out in the water. And then, and then he, he comes back and then spends the rest of the day relaxing with his family and enjoying village life and playing with his kids and spending time at the beach and just having this beautiful life. And so eventually the businessman goes to the, up to the fisherman one morning and says, why, why do you do this? Like, what, like. Why do you why do you spend your entire day doing all these other fun things, spending time with your family, enjoying time with your friends, relaxing, sleeping, you know, spending time at the beach? You could be growing a big business. You know, you're you're wasting an opportunity here. And so the fisherman's like, okay, well then what would that look like? And the businessman's like, Well, you would you would save up you would work harder and save up money and then buy another boat and then blah, 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 and grow this business. And and the fisherman's like, Well, how long would that take? And he's like, Well, maybe 10 years or maybe 20 years. And Eventually, you'll get to the point where the business gets so big that you can sell your business. And the fisherman's like, okay, great. Then what? He's like, well, then you can retire and come to a small little town like this and spend your days with your family and playing on the beach and living with your villagers. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and again, I'm not doing that, that story justice, but the point is, right, we work so damn hard all the time that we, I think there's a lot of value in the simple life. Let's just leave it at that. And and we, we we spend so much time in our twenties and thirties and forties and fifties working for that time when we can retire and go travel and do all of these things and we don't necessarily live in the moment. And, you know, I think it's frankly presumptuous of us to think that we're gonna get to that point. I mean, you said your your mom died at fifty-four, my dad died at fifty-nine, right? Like they never got to that point necessarily, right? So, you know, I, I think there's something profound to be said about balancing working hard, as you said earlier, but then also making sure that you're, you're playing hard as well and living your life while you've got it.
2: I love that you bring this up because I named my company Sulcation pretty much. I mean, I, I think I've heard different versions of this parable, but for this exact reason, like either you can choose, you're not really chasing, a if you're chasing a big company or money, you're really chasing a feeling underneath that. Right, That company will give you peace. That company will give you rest. That company will give you security. And there's a way of choosing that feeling now. And I'm building my company. And yeah, I, I may be able to like, I'm building it at like 75% speed instead of 100% speed. But I'm living my life on the beach. And I'm mm-hmm. living a life that most people get to live when they retire. And um, there is a way of doing it when you say it's worth it and when you're worth it. And I was actually pulling up one of my book chapters because I just did research. There's a beautiful book Um, by Bonnie Ware and it's the top five regrets of the dying. And the top five regrets are one, I wish I had the courage to live true to myself and not live um, what others expected of me. Two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And five, I wish I let myself be happier. And that fifth one, I wish I let myself be happier, reminded me of that story because, again, this is through. She was a palliative care worker all her life and interviewed people on their deathbed and wrote this beautiful book. That time and time again, we say we wish we would have let ourselves, we would have chosen the life, like a vacation, the life of joy, the life that felt easy, and yet we choose the life that feels hard, um, and then we die, and and generation after generation still. You know, I I think society, whether you call it, there's so many systems that play against us. But it's such a reminder of what if we turn these wishes and the dying into, like, values for living? And we expressed our feelings and chose happiness and honored our opinion and didn't work so hard and didn't care what other people expected of us. I mean, those are hard. Don't get me wrong. It's been years of undoing and unlearning. And that's what I, I think so many people never get to this point of, of really living the life they want because it requires them unlearning all the things that haven't haven't served them in the past. And that really then requires mm-hmm. identity shifts and life changes that without like guides and a lot of, you know, it, it can be a hard process to come to terms with like, oh, I built this life and I have this job, but I'm
1: mm-hmm. not
2: expressing my feelings. And I'm not true to myself. And um, so there's a reckoning that happens, but on the other side of that reckoning it's a life you don't
0: enjoy. I, I, I love this. Guy. We, could, we could do this for a very, very long time. And I think we'd probably touch on 14 or 15 books, and I can share seven more parables. And <laughs> but, but what you're saying, and even even earlier, Mel, reminded me of a, a book uh, that I read. And I want to read the one that you just mentioned. But um, uh, th- this one's called The Second Mountain by yeah. David Brooks. I don't know if you've, if you've yeah, heard of that one, yes. right? But it's in summary the idea that we, many of us, if not most of us, you know sort of begin to climb this first mountain and it's fraught with expectations of you know luxury and wealth and all of these beautiful things that we're gonna have once we have this degree and this job and this car and this amount of money in the bank account and this title and this office and all this other stuff. And we we climb and we climb and we climb. And for some people that get to the top, oftentimes their experience is, this is it. Well, if there is a, if there is ever a top right <laughs> many people just, there's always that the you know the hidden peak right the hidden summit and um but if they ever get to this then they look around and they say well this isn't what I thought it was going to be you know i feel unfulfilled i feel i'm um, still unhappy you know and so they 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 then climb down or more often than not i think the story goes that they get they get knocked off somewhere along the way right they get <laughs> they get divorced right someone dies you know something happens to them that they get knocked off the mountain they find themselves in the valley and it's then and only then that we can begin to start climbing the second mountain right which is which is more about fulfillment right and happiness and meaningful work and belonging and and not worrying about money and cars and bank accounts and degrees and big houses and all of those things right and of course the irony of it is that Oftentimes, by living in alignment with ourselves, right, freedom is, is, as we might say, it often leads to the things that we were actually chasing on the first mountain. So, yeah, good book, highly recommend it. The Second Mountain, David Brooks. Hashtag not a sponsor. Um. So, so let me, let me ask you this, Mel. Is, is freedom a choice?
2: I think it has to be. I mean, unfortunately there are people in this world that are born into slavery into bondage. Totally. And we live in a world of inequality that that is such an injustice and such a sadness and that they, I mean, you read people like, like man search for me. You, you read people who actually like are in prison or in concentration camps, who who still have felt alignment with their soul and an inner freedom. But that's, a very rare story. And so I do believe that people with privilege are ambassadors to support the freedom of others. I do think that that we aren't born into alignment. Well, we're born into alignment with our soul as a child, right, that like inner child in us that wants to play. And it's ex- like children do not struggle to express their feelings. Children do not struggle <laughs> to choose happiness. Children do not struggle. Um, to honor their truth, right? It, it literally like comes out in tears or <laughs> right like movement sure. and but I would say the the adult version of us actually has to do some work to choose to come back into alignment with their
0: soul. so what prevents, and I f- first of all, spot on with I'm a white white male. You know, talking about freedom and there's a lot of people that don't have that opportunity so understanding the privilege that, that I have as well but for those that have the opportunity to make that that choice of freedom what, what prevents most people that don't make that choice from doing so?
2: I was thinking about that this week I'm considering launching a rest school just because I think we were never taught like how to rest and play but I only say that because I think we don't know how and it, and so because we were never taught like of course this is hard of course this is hard because we just sure. need someone to walk us through a process like I developed a seven step framework called Soulful which is about like S and you start with joy and your happiness like what you want to do on vacation O is observe feelings you unplug you start to listen to your body there's some work around following your intuitions and changing your limiting beliefs and it kind of ends with this. How to redesign a life? You don't education from so there's a process that now I can take clients through, um, but yeah. no one ever taught that to me, right? Sure. And it's it's so <laughs> frustrating to be like, oh, the cost of like I kind of want this life, but I'm I feel so safe and secure, and it's like, yeah, it's good, it's good enough here. Why would I do the work to change things when I'm risking my safety, mattering, and belonging? And so I think without a clear process and and education, right? We need to, the body doesn't know the difference between physical and emotional pain. And so many people in the Western world are experiencing burnout and stress and emotional pain that is invalidated, right? We give someone sick days for a broken leg or a burned foot, but we don't give them sick days for, right? Like a breakup or moving through a hard thing or some deep grief, which literally the body processes the same way as it does physical pain. And so we're living in a generation that has unprocessed pain and we don't know how, cause no one's taught us how to process that pain. And so we're, yeah, like gut issues, chronic disease, cancers, and no support, no education. We'll get an MBA. We'll get like, you know, we'll go on to get multiple PhDs and right, like multiple promotions. <laughs> like we'll commit so much to learning how to ch- achieve, but we just like, you know, they're, psychology is moving forward and there there is a good amount of evidence but it just we need a guide like I desperately needed a guide and I would never have found my way if it wasn't for hiring hiring guides and committing to learn from others and so I believe that we're stuck because um, we've just never been taught because of course we haven't of course we haven't been taught but there was a way to teach us
1: these these things
0: yeah, no, it, it's true, and I think one thing that I've been connecting with a lot lately is trying to find a guide. Now, there's coaches out there, and there's a lot of people that are in wellness and health and wellness professions that can support that. I think one thing that um, I've been sort of connecting with lately is the fact that in in a lot of our Western culture, you know, we sort of discard, if you will, our elders, um, and yet there's so much wisdom to be gained and learned from them, right? In life lessons and and, um, and I've made it a point recently to begin connecting with some of the folks that are a little bit older that have been around the proverbial block a few times and, and in- intentionally and purposefully picking their brains and, and um, b- looking for that guidance, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because it can be really hard to find.
2: Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we are our own best guides, right? I do this in my coaching. Sure. There's a way, of, a way of being held in support where someone can also... Like share their wisdom, but also turn it back to you so that you can start trusting your own gut, your own intuition, your own inner knowing. I think when we look outside of and this is why I think sometimes therapy doesn't work because people are going, right? They want to find the best therapist in town. I mean, I love therapy. I've done tons of it. But right when we're looking for someone else to give us the answers... Um, We're still looking for that external validation. We don't believe that we can actually heal ourselves. And so we're not actually listening to what our soul is saying. So I spend a lot of time with my clients in that, like getting still. And I think travel can help with this. Quieting the mind down, quieting the body down, learning meditation, um, developing you know rituals or morning routines that allow you to actually listen yes. to what your are saying because that is where there's so much wisdom right you don't have to pay 200 an hour to like usually <laughs> i think people know like deep down if you get really quiet yeah. i think that's why people don't want to get quiet i think that's why people don't right. take sabbaticals
1: because you totally. get really quiet scary you,
2: you actually <laughs> have to hear the thing that like all the busyness in the work was like you know yeah. Kind of distracting you from having to
0: hear, right? And then you and you can't <laughs> unhear it, and then it's like, oh shit! Now what do I do? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is there, and I acknowledge this now, and now I have to do something, or stay stuck where I am.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, as a scientist, yeah, you, know, you uh, um, you'll appreciate or and or know this, but there's there's a, a lot of research about how traveling and and getting ourselves out of our physical environment, known physical environment, into unknown. Physical and cultural environments ignite different parts of our brain, right? Than than at home, right? And so when we are at home and we're doing very logical things and going through our day-to-day routine, right? I, I, I believe it's the prefrontal cortex that's firing, right? And we're using that most of the time, right? To kind of get through the day. And yet when we go into, you know, we leave Seattle and we end up in Mongolia, right? Or we end up in Greenland or we end up in Slovenia or wherever, Right? Our brains are firing totally different ways, right? And the parts of our brain that are most associated with creativity and, our, and imagination are the ones that are in, in in that in the brain's eye, helping us survive, right? And it's so it's in those spaces and in those places where you you know if you ask somebody at the local coffee shop while they're sitting here in Seattle or 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 Playa del Carmen, Mexico, right? Um, you know if you had all the time and all the money in the world, what would you do? most likely they're going to give you a pretty logical response You know I'd like to get a better job doing similar things but you ask them what they want to do while they're hiking through the Swiss Alps you know mm. you're going to get a, likely uh, a different response and probably one that's more authentic and heartfelt and in line with what they really want.
2: So funny I was such a hard worker like I was the girl that had like my calendar color-coded for like every second of the day and had all these lists, and I would I would always judge the people like goofing off at the beach or just like had time totally. to frolic around. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, I live in Playa del Carmen now and like these people are killing it. Like there's so many people that have come here since COVID these people are killing it in their businesses. And it, it blows my mind every day that I'm like, they work four hours a day, right? Like the people that I used to mop, I think because I have the space in their mind to just like let new ideas come in and out and like process new people that are coming in and out of this town and they're actually able to make better decisions, perform better, and are birthing these beautiful things from the place of what I used to think was laziness. Um, but it mm-hmm. really is a place of such self-compassion to let yourself actually like integrate and process and think rather than mm-hmm. always do. So yeah, yeah, if there's I, high achievers, if there's perfectionists on this call, know that I, I mean, I call myself a recovering perfectionist because the recovery is, it's like AA, right? Like you can always slip back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And kill-
2: for us who learn to operate in the world that way, I think travel is a great opportunity to just give our minds um, the spaciousness that they need to actually see different parts of ourselves in the world. So I'm a big believer in, intentional travel which i know is what your mission is all about and i mean my company i i always get asked like do i have to travel to do this work and so i do say over and over again like no you don't there's a way of mapping the the, the things you do on vacation and like scheduling them into your everyday life and a lot of us have to do that during covid and so i say it, it doesn't have to be that way it's a great catalyst but if you're not taking back what you learned and traveled into rhythms rituals things you can can do in your everyday life what's the point what's the point to feel good and then feel bad again
0: what are some of the mindsets that you feel people adopt while they're traveling that they tend to not bring home with them and what or or put differently what mindsets that people adopt while they're traveling would you like to see them or would they often benefit from bringing back home with them you can't bring everything back. You can't just move to the beach all the time, right? But but there are certain things and ways of living and ways of being that we all tend to embody con- consciously or subconsciously while we're traveling. That I know for a fact that if we brought that back to our day to day lives, right, we would all live a much more, much healthier life, a life of freedom and aliveness and love and peace, right? But we, but we we struggle to do that. So what are some of those things, in your opinion?
2: I think our relationship with time. Right? I think we're yeah. all overscheduled and I think on vacation, one of the things that everyone reports they love is just this like fluidity, slowness of mm-hmm. time. So, so our relationship with time, I would say our willingness to let new people come in and out of our life. I think the capacity that, that um, we have back home for new friends, for new conversations, for like spontaneous connections is a lot more limited when we're like, our eyes are more aware of like new people and talking to strangers and letting new people flow in and out of our lives, which does bring us more joy. And then, thirdly, I would say the practice of of like self reflection. I think we on vacation are able to observe our unconscious thought a little bit more because we're away from our daily life. So how do we how do we access that part of us that is willing to reflect, like to to hold up a mirror and to see it ourselves? Like we can probably reflect at home more. And so I think bringing back um, a practice of very honest um, self reflection would be the three things that mm-hmm. can change people's life if they, if they, if they adopted those travel practices in their everyday life. Yeah.
0: You know, As you were saying that, I think something that popped into my brain is at least for me, when I travel, I t- all of those things. And I think something else was, I tend to tolerate a lot less bullshit. Right, like when I'm traveling, like I just don't have time for it. Like I'm here for eight days or ten days, and I'm not. I'm just if I don't want to do this, I'm not going to do it. You know, or somebody's doing something that I'm. All right, I'm out of here. You know, and it's we're we're and it's, you know, admittedly a bit more difficult to just bail on somebody if it's a colleague or you know a client when you're at home and you need to do that. But but I think adopting that mindset or bringing that home of like, I'm going to make a powerful choice of whether I want to engage in this activity or not. Mm-hmm. engage with this person or not and just let the chips fall where they may when i come home instead of just being like oh i have to do this or i should do this or i should do this and i should do that is something that i i i often feel while i travel and yet sometimes struggle to bring home
2: mm-hmm. yeah and the opposite is also true that you're you have less control in some way like this when you yeah. travel you are a little bit less in control and unexpected things happen which is like it's ironic cuz it's the fun of travel but
1: then sometimes when you get back you like grasp for control over People and plans in life. Mel, do you want to tell people a little bit about your business and, and what you do there? Sure. Mm-hmm. So I run a company called soulcation which the vision is
2: to use rest, play, and pleasure as a gateway for um, healing and redesigning your life um, so it feels like a life that you don't need a vacation from. Um, and I offer um, coaching and I run a free masterclass on the five shifts to heal from burnout I do one-on-one clients. I do a group program that is called My Soulcation Inner Circle. I have a beautiful planner that if you want to get all my content going back to the how, right? Like I said before that this work is hard because we weren't taught and it just, um, the how can be really hard. I have a daily planner and um, that is a six-week curriculum to go from stress, emotional overwhelm and burnout to um, yeah, a life you don't need a vacation from. And so it's all the curriculum that I walk my one-on-one coaches Clients through. It's everything I know about transformation. It's everything I know about the nervous system and psychology and life design. And it was birthed out of all those interviews from um, my sabbatical of interviewing women, what they would need um, and what freedom means to them. So that planner is available for only $49 on my website at melodymiles.com. And yeah, and I connect with people in the travel space and in the space of, of, of doing their inner work in beautiful places, and I belong to a lot of communities of nomads and other travelers who are committed to this lifestyle. So, a big advocate of your work, I'm sure I'll be a participant on one of your trips as well as continuing to support your community. Well, ho- hopefully.
0: Uh, hopefully, a leader a leader of one of our trips as well. Yes, so you you okay. can participate, and then we can lead something together. It would be fun. My gosh,
2: I can't. And yes, as a I mean, obviously, as the world opens back up, I am. Um, very much getting excited to bring new people into my life in different ways by traveling Mm -hmm. again. So this conversation already just brings my heart joy knowing that travel, the the cusp of travel. um, So anyone listening who wants to sign up, you'll probably see me out in the world
1: because I'm itching to go as well. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Mel. So before we do let you go, we have a few final kind of rapid fire style questions for you. Came on. Michael, do you want to, kick it off or do you want me
0: to? Yeah, I'll ask this question, because this is one of my favorites. Um, What is your favorite book of all time and why?
1: Oh, you love reading.
2: My favorite book of all time is the book that has changed my life the most is The Artist's Way. How about we go with that one?
1: What is one thing you always bring with you when you travel?
2: I always bring with me really like silky pajamas my thing. I live very simply <laughs> so I have I don't know if I I lost my whole wardrobe in France so I was throwing my clothes in what I thought was a laundry basket in France but I thought they were just like taking to laundry service and it ended up being a trash can and they were throwing my clothes oh away my every gosh. single day so on my year sabbatical I like lost all my favorite clothes halfway through um <laughs> which is fine you can buy more clothes but and what I've learned is like I actually I've gotten on an airplane with just a purse and a pen and my computer. I've gotten on an airplane multiple times with very little. But obviously living internationally, for some reason, pajamas are the one thing. One yeah. thing. <laughs> some <laughs> people sleep naked, but I really enjoy my social pajamas. Another non-rapid answer question too. However,
0: however, you our, our quote our quote from this episode is going to be: "Some people sleep naked, but I can't live without my silky pajamas." Perfect. Well done. Um,
1: oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!
0: That or the tree pose, pee on yourself. Um, now, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go?
2: It's funny because I haven't been to Morocco, so that's high on my list. And then I would also go to to. Um, There's a nomad castle opening up in the south of France, which is high on my list to go to. So
1: France and Morocco. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that you have gained or learned from the pandemic?
2: Um, That we can do hard things, um, that we're all in this together, and that life can change in an instant.
0: What do you love most about the work that you do?
2: I love I love seeing women women's life change and light up when they they finally realize that they have permission to play and rest and that they can be safe I think the patriarchy plays into this but there're like generations of women that haven't felt safe right that have needed like the institution of marriage or the workplace to validate them and like Finding safety and actually realizing you can choose your desires and honor your desires is the path to the life you always wanted rather than abandoning them and doing what you should do is bringing me so much joy. But also living a life that I don't need a vacation from and choosing um, to go slow and to build a business that success can, be. success can be a life that is aligned with my soul, that is light and soft rather than success being hard and fast and difficult, and only for like the elite small people to achieve that I finally come up with a definition of success, which feels very easy
1: rather than hard. I love
0: that. Uh, Yes, amen.
1: If you could summarize your philosophy in one word, what would that be? These are rapid <laughs> fire questions. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: In one word, my philosophy. Ah, rest. Just rest. Slow down. Go slow. Go softer, not harder. All
0: right. La- last one, Mel. If you could go back and give your 21-year-old self a piece <laughs> of advice, what would you tell yourself?
2: To not give a fuck what other people think.
0: Love it. <clears throat> reminds me of one of my mentors. Uh, I'm going to interject here, Mel, but yes. Don Mankin, who we had yeah. on here not long ago. Uh, one of the things he said to me that I, I'll never forget is, the older I get, the fewer fucks I give. Yeah. You know, And I really I like that. We're going to also have to tag this as explicit content, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. Um, Mel, thank you so much for, for your time, for your wisdom, for inspiring all of us, including Robin and I, and stoking our sense of wonderless. We really appreciate you being on here. Yeah, it's
1: always it's great to talk to
0: you, Mel. Thanks for listening. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to the Wisdom of Wonderless podcast if you haven't already. Follow ExploreX on social media at GoExploreX. If you have any questions, shoot us a note to hello at explorer-x.com and be sure to check out our next episode where we interview uh, our colleague and friend, Lena Papadopoulos. Anyway, thanks, Mel. Thanks, Robin. And until next time, everybody uh, get out there and live a life that you don't need a vacation from.